Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to another GDT Tuesday with Mr. John Spainhauer. And I'm your host, Cody Coster. John, how are we doing? Doing great, Cody. Really excited to be here today. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Well, today we uh, didn't quite have the fireworks that we were thinking we were going to have on the GDT auction, but nonetheless, still higher. That is correct. You know, the GDT today was across the board, you know, generally higher. We saw movements in cheese and we saw movements in non-fat or SMP, excuse me, and we saw it in whole milk powder. So collectively, we saw the auctions settle about 2.2% higher. And the big winner of the day is going to be butter actually at 4.7% higher, you know, of the main product categories. And, you know, I think just most importantly, you know, this auction result, believe it or not, is going to be viewed as somewhat of a disappointment, even though it's higher when we look at products like skim milk powder. So that's, you know, we can talk about that in a little bit here. But just in general, the, the it was higher, but yet failed to live up to some of the expectations that some people may have had coming into this. Now, John, hitting on butter there real fast, um, if we look at the prices compared to the United States in the U.S. here, butter's about $178, $1.78. If you look at New Zealand's price after today's auction, they're about $2.27, equivalent to us. And the EU, uh, about $2.45. So a lot of people are going to say, okay, comparing it to New Zealand, we're about 48 cents lesser of a price. Do you still consider that a bullish sentiment for the market? I most certainly do. You know, these things take time, especially in butter. Butter, Our butter is just a little bit different than the rest of the world's. But, you know, at a certain price point, it will go out of the country. And, you know, when you've got New Zealand at 226 and the EU at 245, that tends to attract a lot of attention. And so even though our butter is a little bit different, and even though we do have some transportation issues, I suspect that this pricing differential is going to inspire a lot of exports to come. We may, you know, the hard part is always timing, right, on that. And it's a matter of when do we see those exports? Do we see them now or do we see them later? And when does it really have an effect on price? You know, if someone were to tell me that uh, we've got a lot of exports already going right now, it wouldn't surprise me. But if it takes a few more months for us to really get out of our main demand season and as well as get into the first quarter of next year, it wouldn't surprise me either. And that we we see a, a stronger than expected Q1 in terms of pricing here in the U.S. simply out of respect for the export side. On the export side, do you think that cheese can also follow suit? Because if we look at prices, let's just equate it to New Zealand real quick. Uh, after today's auction, about a $2 even price value compared to the United States. We're at about $1.78, $1.79. Uh, so $0.22 to $0.23 cents lesser than our counterpart. I think people are going to kind of ask the same kind of question they did in butter is, do you think exports are going to continue? Does this seem uh, pretty bullish for our cheese price to get ramped up to that $2 equivalent? I think our, our, our cheese exports for the month of 
August. I think we're the second highest on record. Uh, I hate to say that so definitively, but uh, that, that comes to mind. We're already rocking some big exports out here, and I expect that to continue. This price movement upwards isn't going to hurt anything in terms of our exports. You know, it might slow down some domestic demand some, but in terms of exports to see the EU move above $2, as well as New Zealand move above $2, is just in itself going to be pretty price supportive. And then we can talk about it in just a minute. But I will say at some point in time, there's the potential that we could not only run into the fact that our prices are cheaper, but we're probably going to run into the idea that we actually have product available. And, you know, I'm looking forward to talking about it here in a few minutes, but I think we're going to run into a a time where the U.S. is not only going to have the right price, but we're actually going to have product that we can sell. And that's going to put us in pole position for some really, really robust exports and keep our prices supported a little bit higher for a little bit longer than what I think most people expect. Do you think the exports are going to come around the same time as our domestic demand for uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas are happening? Do you think everything's going to kind of be thrown into one bucket at the same time and, uh, I don't know, give it a little bit of a of an explosion to the higher side? You know, Cody, again, if I go back to the idea of if, if ex- I, I don't think exports have slowed down any already right now. So we're in the middle of, we're probably exporting already at right at the same point in time that we're heading into, you know, right into our main demand season. If we look back at the the general idea that we've we've heard, we've had plenty of milk production here, at least domestically in the U.S. And, you know, there, our, our chief market analyst, Matt Gould, has always liked to say, well, we need those exports. We need all the exports we can get just to stay above board here because not only do we have a lot of milk, but we have a lot of cheese production that came online, specifically up in your neck of the woods in Michigan this year. So from a cheese standpoint, we do need those exports. Where I think people will get caught off guard is I think those exports are going to continue on through the demand season, and they're going to continue on into Q1 and possibly Q2 at the rate things are going. And we just might not get that stock build that we got this past year, that that stock build that kind of held prices at bay here. So again, that's before we even see milk production slow down. We'll talk about that in a minute here. But if milk production slows down and those exports continue, then we can really get into a different pricing tier. Now, kind of shifting gears a little bit on things uh, that you and I have talked about on the past two podcasts for sure, skim milk and non-fat dry milk. If we look at New Zealand's price at about $1.53 is what they ended the day at, we came in at $1.53 and kind of fell apart just a little bit on the CME trade. Now we're pretty much parity with what New Zealand has got offered for a, a price going out there, right? Yeah, we came in right around those same prices. I think it was more around a dollar fifty-four, and you know we were right there. And if we use the NZX futures as a a marker of what the expectations were coming into this auction, they were kind of forecasting that skim was going to end the day at a dollar sixty, and they only came in at a dollar fifty-four area, right? So, you know, we're, we're going to end the, the GDT at $1.54 and the U.S. came in at $1.54. 
by no means was do I look at this and say that this price moving higher was bearish, but I certainly think it was a little bit of a letdown as to, again, the market was expecting us to come in at about $1.60. Some of the reasons for that were that European prices were already you know, up uh, unofficially up in that $1.57 to $1.58 area. And so we've heard and seen a lot of activity in the international markets, physical markets, and seen a lot of activity in the futures markets, indicating that we were going to be higher on this auction. We were higher. We just weren't as high as what the the market expected. If we bring that back here to the U.S., that that bodes a a little bit of a problem for a market, you know, coming into it. If we're at $1.54 and, you know, typically New Zealand carries at least some premium to the U.S., for New Zealand to come in at a dollar fifty-four, it kind of let a little bit of air out of the balloon here for U.S. non-fat. I think it's also important to remember, without getting too entirely technical, that if we look at the forward curve on non-fat, it's extremely discount to the current spot even now. So it, it really said if you had non-fat physical, you should be selling it and replacing it with futures. So it really comes as no surprise to me that, A, we saw sell side already on the CME today, but and also with the GDT coming in a little bit lower than expected, it kind of um, incentivized a little bit more aggression out of the sellers. And here we end up a penny lower out, out there. So I, I think it, it just kind of overall, today's auction let the, the air out of the balloon ever so slightly on the non-fat world. Again, that's not to say that it's bearish out there. Again, it is a dollar fifty-four. It's just I think the U.S. got a little bit ahead of ourselves here in the past week and a half or so. So it seems like the, the steam is probably slowing down in the locomotive here as our prices, at least in the non-fat space, kind of mesh with the rest of the world for, for now, for now. I think, yeah, for now is the real caveat in there, Cody. And I think that's really what is going to be the crux of, you know, the argument moving forward. I think we have to step back and say, why on earth are we at the highest non-fat price in seven and a half years? How did we get here? Why is butter in Europe at 255? And and why is why is cheese around the world, except here in the U.S., back above $2. And I think one of the things you have to stand back and say is we've talked about it for a long time. Demand is really good out in the world. You know, there's, there's, there are some complications, that's for sure. There are certainly still some COVID complications, uh, specifically as it relates to transportation and, you know, are this, is this country open or is this country going into a shutdown again? You know, I think all those are still part of the discussion. But overall, the, the metrics tell us that demand is pretty good and, and Chinese demand continues to be pretty good, despite what a, a lot of forecasters think might happen. The reality is, is that all the metrics show us that Chinese demand remains pretty strong. If we put that demand into that solid demand into the backdrop and and bring supply front and center here, one of the things, you know, we were already at high prices and we had really robust milk production around the world. What we started to see a little bit earlier this summer for the U.S. was, hey, U.S. milk production wasn't as robust as we thought it was going to be. It's still above last year. I think it comes in at about 1.1 to 1.2% on the last metric, and it's probably still going to remain strong. 
relatively good, especially with this increase, this recent increase in milk prices. But I don't think it's going to be as robust as it was. But I think if we focus just on that, we're, we're kind of maybe looking at the, the shiny object and not paying attention to what's going on on the other side of the pond. And that is that European milk production is really suffering right now. You've got some of your main production areas of the world down as much as 3%, in some cases down as much as 4 to 5 on a on a weekly report. As to why those production levels are suffering so much, it's not entirely uh, you know so- something that we can pinpoint down. But what we can say is France significantly down, Germany significantly down, Holland significantly down in milk production. And we keep seeing that in these weekly reports. And essentially what that caused is a lot of the buyers who would be taking product out of Europe had to come here to the U.S. to get it. And they showed up on our shores a few weeks ago. Uh, and as a result, that was one of the things that put nonfat as high as it was. They went to New Zealand. What, they've, what we've heard is, in some cases, they're being told by New Zealand, hey, we don't have as much product as you need. And that pushed people back over here to the U.S., so that, that's that's really what pushed us higher here on the overall dairy space. And I think as we look forward here, you know, anything can happen. You know, tomorrow can always look different than today. But what we have to look at is from a milk production standpoint, sometimes things can suffer from a seasonal standpoint, meaning we always lose milk during August and July, right? But what we also, you know, and then we generally gain it back as we move into the fall, right? And then in the springtime, we're always at a really high milk level. We're, we're still going to have that seasonality, but I think what we have to consider is that there are some structural issues that are taking place. And what I mean by that is, you know, it's not a production per cow issue. It seems to be how many cows are producing milk. And as we look at Europe, we're starting to see the possibility that we're losing a significant amount of cows. And so with that being said, we tend to look at that as more of a structural issue. And that's just not a, a, an it. When you get into the structural side of things, it's not easy to dig your way out of that. You don't just turn, you know, cows back on or, you know, bring the herd back to full bore and, and really get going. It takes a while to, to build that herd back up and get all of those cows milking at top production levels. And so with that being said, we'll say that One of the main reasons why we're higher in Europe right now is a lack of milk production or disappointing milk production results. And looking forward, we'll say we we expect that trend to continue. So with that said, we see European milk production as lower moving into Q1 as of right now at least. And with that said, we expect European prices to remain higher. And therefore, it follows that we think we're going to have good exports out of the U.S., and that will be very supportive to U.S. prices. Again, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, um, I, I don't think we're there yet by any means, and I don't mean to sound the alarms, but occasionally we get into these situations where it's not a matter of price, it's a matter of availability. And I think those are two things that the U.S. has right now and will continue to have. A, we're the cheapest price generally, except for nonfat, which we talked about, but we're adjusting that. But on the cheese side, for sure, on the butter side, for sure, right? So we have the cheapest price, 
specifically on the forward curve. We have an inverted forward curve on all these products, as well as I think we're going to have availability. And those are things that the rest of the world doesn't have or might possibly not have. And I think those are the things that can really, as I look at this auction and I look at what's taking place out there right now, I tend to look forward and say, geez, I think... uh, I think we're in for higher prices here for a while. John, kind of hitting on the availability, uh, usually supply in the world outpaces demand. Do you think that has flip-flopped now, especially with everything that you're talking about uh, with European milk production being off as much as it is? Do you think demand has now outpaced the supply that we've got? I don't think on all products that we're quite there yet, um, but I think we're we're coming pretty close, right? I mean, if we look at the supply of cheese and you've got a warehouse full of cheese here in the U.S., I certainly can't say, hey, we've outstripped that, right? We do have butter. We can't say we've outstripped that. Uh, when we look to the nonfat world, one can make the argument that we're, that demand is very much outstripping supply. But on the butter world, it doesn't take a whole lot. And one good whack of butter exports can turn this butter market from a 180 market into an over $2 market overnight. It really could do that. I, and so, I, I Cody, um, I went to the University of Kentucky. And so, uh, my economic forecast in terms of you know being able to match supply and demand up on an exact number is a little sketchy for me. But what I can say is you can certainly feel it out in the world that demand feels like it's outpacing supply. And I don't know that it's because demand is growing so much as much as it feels like supply is pulling back on us. Understood. Well, I think we've covered pretty much the whole synopsis of dairy in this whole podcast here, my friend. <laughs> I kind of went on there for a while and I apologize. No, no, it was it was good. Some, some good insight and information. I do know the GDT is something that everybody's been watching in our next Global dairy trade is, I believe, the beginning of November, two weeks away. Looking forward to uh, covering it then. And I think uh, between now and now and that point in time, we could see some uh, pretty active markets. Some, some pretty good volatility on the way is what you're thinking. I think we will. And I think for right now, the U.S. Class, or non-fat market has kind of hit the high water market from a temporary basis. But if the international market continues to move higher between now and the next auction, which I expect it will, we'll probably find a good round of support and see possibly see non-fat move into new highs. But we're going to need to see those international markets take us, to, take us higher. And uh, based on what we're seeing out of Europe right now, I see no reason why that can't happen. Awesome. All right. Well, looking forward to the next two weeks and kind of see what we have. That is going to do it for our GDT Tuesday podcast with Mr. John Spainhauer. If anyone has any questions that they'd like answered, please shoot John or I an email. and We will try to answer it to the best of our possible abilities. John, appreciate you being here again, man. Look forward to being here next time, Cody. Bye-bye. All right. See you guys.